Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Pleased to meet you. We're all glad you came. Won't you try and remember our name? Hello, welcome Sharks fans to this Friday fun boy of fun, good time prospects. Uh, my name is JD uh, and I am joined by Eric today, um, the chunky monkey to my half-baked and this is Locked on Sharks. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. I'm just going to close my window because there are people talking outside and, uh, and uh, they're they're pissing me off, man. They're Talking about uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, wouldn't you know it? So, um, <laughs> I, I, hold on. What is in Chunky Monkey? I don't think I've ever had that, that flavor before. Uh, it's banana and chocolate and stuff. Uh, it's like, you can't go wrong good. with Ben and Jerry's. Good. Oh, yeah. But they had, they have, there's like nuts in it. I don't love that combo. Yeah. But yeah, Chunky Monkey's not my, like, the half baked one is by far my favorite. Um, that is, I would probably go that then Cherry Garcia, uh, which I haven't had in a while. But yeah, oh, half baked is my one. I can't, I can't stand Cherry Garcia. Yeah, half baked is great. All right, you, you can't go wrong. There's some that I'm just like, eh, but yeah. But um, I like the Americone Dream one with Stephen Colbert. That one's that one's pretty good. There's another one like Late Night Show. Jimmy found they did they did a bunch of like Late Night Show branded. Yeah, branded. Um, and I, and I like those. Um, so speaking I, about somebody who's going to be having a lot of late nights, we want to ooh. first. You like that transition? That's a good one. Uh, we want to first con- congratulate Evander Kane. I know this episode is coming on Friday, but he, him, and his—I'm not sure if it's fiance or girlfriend or significant other—they uh, baby girl into the world. Um, so as a dad, uh, those. There's actually the the first couple weeks aren't too bad because they sleep so much, but then all hell breaks loose. So, um, yeah, congratulations to Vander Kane, and then congratulations to Tomas Hurdle, who him and his wife uh, just announced are going to be having a baby boy. So, yeah, good times. So good times for the sharks. Hurdle remains the only pure thing left in this universe, sadly. Yes, it's true. So yeah, we're. I mean, it's it's cool to see these like kind of peeks into their lives, and you know, like seeing a Vander or um, seeing Eric Carlson like pictures with him and his his daughter and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you know, especially with Kane, him and his his significant other, they you know, unfortunately, um, they lost their you know, um, they lost a, a child um, during pregnancy a couple was it a year and a half ago anyway, but um, so yeah, it's I know like. I couldn't imagine that. And having, being a dad, it's one of the greatest, uh, probably, well, it's probably one of the, the, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And um, there's moments where you're just like, oh my God, what am I doing? But then you have these little moments where it's just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. So yes, being a dad. I'm a new, cool. I'm a new dog dad. So I know, all, I know all about yeah. it. Oh yes. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, definitely the same thing, you know, yep. The getting up the walks <laughs> and, you know, so and the feeding and the the, the spitting up everywhere and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. it's the it's the exact same thing I heard. It's in fact mm. it's harder. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh but. god, yeah. Congrats to the new dads on the sharks. I'm glad. But what a season to uh, not have to deal with this bullshit playoff format. They can just like stay with their families and 
yeah and, you know, and not worry about getting infected by everyone else and yeah, uh stay healthy especially with the in the season potentially the new seasons potentially started you get an you get that good quality bonding time um so yeah that's that's pretty awesome for those guys so um somebody that we want to spend some quality bonding time with um oh, so, two for two today you gotta to stop while you're ahead though no more transitions for you on this episode <laughs> kyle's gonna get really jealous so um <laughs> don't, don't tell him don't tell shh, don't tell kyle guys um so we're going to talk about uh, defenseman Justin Barron. Uh, so he's a good Canadian boy. Um, and, and he's a very interesting case, uh, just to kind of quickly get into him, where he, going into kind of after the 2019 draft, uh, when they, of course, look ahead to the 2020 draft, because that's, and no matter what sport, as soon as you finish one draft, you have to look ahead to the next draft, because that's, what it's just fun to do. Um, he was a very highly touted prospect, um, but he did have some uh, medical issues this year, which we'll get into later and kind of struggled in his play. So he's a guy who's kind of, his range has been all over the board where, you know, you've seen him in mock drafts as high as like 23 and you've seen him uh, dipping into the third round. So we kind of want to go over him today. So Eric, what can you tell us about our, our good-sized boy, Justin Barron? He is. Uh, su- surprise, we're not talking about another munchkin. Um, <laughs> Aaron, oh, God, that's, that's kind of me. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, Aaron is, a, according to Elite Prospects, a six foot 187-pound right-shot defenseman. Uh, teams love that right-handed shot because they're a little bit more rare than lefties. Um, is for Timo Myers, Halifax Mooseheads. It is a late birthday. It's already his third season in the queue. Um, she scored pretty well last year as a as a late birthday 17-year-old, putting up about 0.6 points per game and then about a bit less than um, half a point a game the year before that. So He's no stranger to, to decent scoring. Uh, this year, he put 19 points in 34 games for a solid of unspectacular 5.6 points per game. Um, before we go any farther, I just want to point out that all the research, I guess not a lot, the, the kind of one of the, the big research pieces that came out about drafting Benson better a few years ago, and I think teams have probably adapted recently, was that Guys who score at, at 0.6 points per game or more do a lot better or make the NHL a lot more frequently than guys who don't when you draft them in the first round, I think. Um, yeah. It's a pretty arbitrary cutoff, but the fact that he's right there uh, is is a good sign, at least. I don't think he's going to go... Well, he might go in the first round. He's ranked 33rd by your considerations. He's ranked 23rd by ISS. 54th by McKean's. 71, 71st, I guess, by Elite Prospects. Uh, 25, the scouts the Bob Father pulled. Uh, and 38th, according to Colin Cudmore's aggregate rankings, which includes uh, some of these services, but also ind- independent scouts on Twitter. So as you mentioned, JD, um, all over the place could could go first, all the way down to, I think that's the, the third round at 71. Um, so... Uh, variation in rankings here and I think as you mentioned a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that he had a medical issue um, 
mentioned that he struggled a little bit early in the season as a result and missed half of the season because of it. Uh, so I did understand why people are a little wary of him. Um, Aaron Bader's model at hockeyprospecting.com still gives him a 43% chance of becoming an NHLer, 12% chance of becoming a star defensive producer, which is four or five points per game. That is exciting if bit surface level, not to say anything bad about his model. This is how most prospect models work, but um, especially for defensemen, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than just point per game scoring. Uh, so mm-hmm. try to get, try to dig a little past that. I and mean, that's always a good barometer though, because guys who score more tend to the NHL more frequently. But um, all right, guys, we want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com. Uh, so rockauto.com is a website where you can buy parts for your automobile. Um, so they have parts for every type of car. It doesn't matter if you drive a classic car or your everyday car. Um, if you need uh, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or carpet, rockauto.com has got you covered. And so you go on, you find the parts that you need, easy clicks and they are delivered directly to your door which is great that you don't have to go out because going out right now is a horrible thing to do don't do it um so best of all the prices they're always reliable and low you don't have to worry about if you go to your local uh auto shop and they have a part for one price and you go down the street and go to another one and they have the same part for another price you don't have to worry about that with rockauto.com if you go on there and when you're uh, checking out, make sure you write in locked on in the how did you hear about us section so that way they know we sent you. Uh, amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Mimo Perry works for Finnish team. I created a model that tries to blend a whole bunch of different models together. So, so we looked at things like uh, betweenness, which is a player's impact on even strength scoring, or not even strength necessarily, but just his scoring network. So look at it. It doesn't figure out if players are sort of too dependent on teammates or if they help other teammates score and whatnot. So it can help differentiate between a couple guys who are close. Um, also try to model players' impact on their team's uh, on-ice scoring. So kind of like when you see goals four uh, on like uh, NHL stats website, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, Baron ranked eighth in sort of his overall upside score of the 147 defensemen that the model looked at for this for this year he ranks 26 in that between his score so the impact on his team's even strength primary points however uh in the model that to created to try to sort of i'm assuming adjust for or give a picture of a player's impact on his team's overall goal scoring a baron was one of the worst of those 147 defensemen so that's a little bit um, nerving, I suppose. Pick224.com pulled the defenseman, draft your defenseman. So did, this does not include overagers, but uh, pulled all the draft your defenseman from the major U20 leagues. So that includes the CHL leagues, USHL, Finnish, Swedish, and Russian U20 leagues. Um, and then I altered by the top 148 or so in point per game scoring arbitrary of me but i think that's like two-thirds of, of the, the guys that i pulled so i wanted just to make sure that we get the the top players um those 148 baron ranked second in estimated time on ice per game so I, that is a good sign i think with defensemen when ice per game is is a proxy for 
um, you know, what coaches see in him. And so if he's out there regularly, I think, I think that is a great sign. Uh, however, ranked only 57th in primary points per 60 minutes of ice time. So showed that even though he had a decent five, six point per game scoring rate, uh, you would have liked to see him score a bit more points given how much time he spent on the ice. Um, He's only 140th out of 148 in even strength goals for relative to his team. Often people use that as kind of a defensive barometer. So it sort of suggests that a guy is on the ice for far more goals against than his teammates are at even strength, which is typically not a good sign if you understand the idea that um, goals against and shots against often line up by the end of the season. On the other hand, the Mooseheads were a pretty poor team this past season. And he was on the ice all the time. So it's kind of like, you know, you, you look at guys on the Sharks. People are like, oh, well, Eric Carlson had a plus minus or this or whatnot. But like, it's going to be bad if you're on a bad team because your team is typically being outscored. Um, so to fault him there totally. But again, 140th out of 148 is not ideal. He ranked 47th of those defensemen in even strength primary points per game. So again, you would have liked to see points there. However, he was tied for eighth in shots per game of all those defensemen. So it's probably a bit unlucky not to have um, a few more points to his resume, especially given that he was able to score in the point six, point six one point per game mark last season. Um, so know that that is in him. Um, I think that he probably, he mentioned it as we mentioned, struggled a little bit due to his medical condition at the beginning of the season. Um, the, the the kind of the statistical outlook is out of the way, which to me tells me, you know, surface level, it looks exciting. But once you kind of break it down a little bit, there are some worrying numbers there. All right. So let's talk about his, uh, his game tape. Uh, so yeah, again, yeah, game tape. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. We, uh, being, you know, a good Canadian boy, it's easy to find his tape. Um, so I was, uh, pretty excited about watching him, um, just because he's a little bit different than some of the guys we've covered so far. Um, his, we'll start with his offense. So his offense, he's never going to be one of those guys who kind of racks up, you know, 40, 50 point, uh, seasons just because that's not his game. Um, he's kind of more of, uh, like he knows how to make the smart play. He's definitely uh, a more safe player where he's not going to, um, he's not going to pinch um, like Brent Burns, where he's just recklessly pinching, you know, to try to create offense. Um, he's going to be a much more safe player, which, you know, that's, that's good and bad, right? Cause you know, offense, offense is how you win games. And um, but sometimes, you know, like we, how many times have you complained about Brent Burns being in the wrong spot because he's trying to do a little too much. So you don't have to worry about that with Baron. Um, his shot is, it's a good shot, but it's more of a kind of setup shot where he's shooting to try to get rebounds for uh, for the forwards who are then in position to try to tuck away goals. Um, I don't think he's going to just sit there and be sniping guys from the blue line, but he he's able to put the puck in places where his forwards can get go to work. So, um, so I think he's going to be one of those guys offensively who can help to drive play, but there's not going to really show up on the stat sheet as much. Um, defensively, he's, uh, I think he, that's where he shines. So he, he has a chance to be 
a elite defensive uh, player where um, you know where you don't like when he goes over the boards, you could put him against top lines potentially. Um, and you could see, there is some nice footage of him um, at the Helsinki tournament from uh, I think that was a 2018 2019 season. Um, and he's playing against Lukas Raymond, where you know Lukas Raymond is going to be a top five. Um, pick this year and he's doing a good job against him, you know, poking the check away, kind of uh, using his body to, to keep uh, Raymond from doing stuff. Um, very active stick. He's able to, and he's always in the right spot. So I think um, with, with Baron, I think the defensive game is going to be where he makes his, his money. And he's going to be one of those guys where, um, you know, like I said, the offense isn't always going to be there, but I think he's going to be a stud defenseman who plays in the league for a very long time. Uh, it seems like a lot of folks who um, have probably watched a lot more video than both have agree with you. I'll say I popped on a few highlights, so I've watched approximately seven minutes of of his i'm now a professional nhl scout um i mean you have a twitter account and you watch some highlights i think that's that's all you need right <laughs> that, that's true that's true and i have some 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 somewhat fancy stats uh see yeah i don't i mean i don't know like and it's hard with highlight tapes because they're all like pretty short clips and it's like here's a goal here's an assist and often the plays yeah you're not watching not, like you're not yeah. watching like, the whole thing you don't get to see a lot of transition or whatever um it, there's one or two clips of seeing him kind of skate out of danger zone end, which was nice. Um, everything was fairly nondescript, as you said. It seemed like his puck handling was super impressive. There was one play. He he uh, transitioned all the way down the ice, kind of went by himself, and it was great. And it was an assist, and he got into the offensive zone, went to, went to puck handle, and just basically lost the puck, and it floated <laughs> to the guy behind him. Yeah, and he scored. And I was like, yeah, I saw not, that. That's, that's not an assist. It's only yeah. it's one clip. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to hold it against him. It was just, it was just a funny one. But it, I don't know. It didn't look like it was like you know the tightest handling kind of thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I can see that. But I think too, where kind of those other ones were like he's getting the like the secondary assist, but he's doing all the work, you know, of like getting putting the shot like in a good mm -hmm. spot for a rebound and stuff like that. So I think that's where you kind of get the. Um, the the trade-off there so yeah so but, you know, i'm trying to kind of sum up some of these uh scouting reports i got a handful of them here um a lot of folks seem to like his mobility uh he's responsible in his own end he has good positioning uh one thing that recurs a lot is that he's really intelligent you know knows where to be um he's a boy of course um like he's he's sound defensively but he just is sort of not really present on offense he doesn't so ben kerr from last war on hockey writes that he doesn't lead the rush often choosing to headman the puck and join he instead choosing to headman the puck and join as a trailer um oh so another one tony ferrari from dauber prospects offensively aaron isn't a player that is going to wow you with stick handling or exceptional offensive creativity he makes a safe, smart play that leads to dangerous chances for his team. Um, McKean's, his mobility is a major asset, and he flashes the ability to lead attacker in transition. However, his puck skill and game management are not dynamic in nature. So, I've kind of repeated over and over again, 
in his own end, good at positioning, smart player, knows what to do, kind of defers the teammates when it comes to transition, uh, and isn't exactly creative on offense, um, even if he doesn't make a lot of mistakes or kind of makes a simple play a lot. It's fine, but um, I was curious because at the beginning of these of these um, this draft season, I'm doing all these reports about a couple of models that I'd found where folks tried to analyze words, the verbiage in scouting reports. And since we don't have Kyle here, we'll, we'll turn to uh, to this instead. And it's interesting that um, one of the the more recent model that I found that looked at this, um, the word "good" and the word "solid" are the top two that appear in the in the list of negative attributes when i say negative attributes i don't mean it means a player is bad i mean that was basically a binary they, outcome where a player player scouting report is either likely to make the nhl or not likely in the unlikely it was good and solid which makes sense you know because you have anything else side, to write about high end right you had like high end um i'm seeing what else like high-end defensive player, or, right? Exactly, exactly. And on the other, and then on the other hand, you have good and solid. And so a lot of Barons, reports like good this, solid this, good at that. But there's nothing that he was exceptional at. There wasn't, you know, uh, I was trying to compare him to the Anderson's report or scouting report rather. And one of them was like, you know, constantly backs down, backs down defenders with the speed and skill sort of thing. And like, it's like, Oh, like you get excited about it, but there wasn't that sort of um, yeah. excitement for, for Baron. I will say other model that tries to break down a player will fare in the AHL based on words, a lot of things like good defensive skills, good puck battles, good effort, good decision-making appear in the category of a good role player or defensive specialist. So, Again, like you said, certainly someone who seems like will be able to get himself to the next levels. Um, if he's not the flashiest player, I know you made a uh, San Jose Sharks comparison, JD. You wanna you wanna bring that up? Yeah, I mean, just basically reading it, I was like, oh wow, I'm reading about Justin Braun, and Justin Braun is a he was a great Sharks player for you know a really long time um when you know him and Vlasic like that was your shutdown pair like you knew Justin Braun was always going to make the right play you know um he was gonna help shut down the top lines like he you know Justin Braun like getting Justin Braun was a great player uh a great pick for the the Sharks and um you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think uh, the the thing though is we will kind of get into in a, in a minute. I think is the, the cost benefit, but um, you know, and it's like if you can get a guy where, like I, I said earlier, where if you you throw him over the boards and you don't have to worry about it, and he can do that for you for ten years, like that's a great pick. Um, a, but you know, I think, um, like I said, I think just the cost benefit of is he worth the one of your second round picks, especially for a team that is so devoid on talent where it feels like you can kind of find these guys either free agency or later in the draft as Justin Braun, who was a late round pick, or, you know, is this one of those guys where, you know, you're going to like, as we kind of say sometimes where you're, it's okay to get a single and you know, this guy's going to be an NHL player and he's going to make the league. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. My here's the hard the thing I'm having a hard time with with Baron is that a lot of scouting reports, I think the McKean's included, and as you mentioned before, say, oh, going into, going into the season, 
was up there with like um drysdale and and Gooley and and schneider is that like kind of four or five defenseman class and even probably a little bit better than Gooley and schneider and everyone's like wow both of didn't really pan out hard to know if that is all because of his um medical condition or if uh have a great year and so it's like he's someone who seems like a lot of people believed in his innate talents that didn't really uh, pan out. And so I'm willing willing to defer to that sort of belief that he possesses uh, enough skills to be listed as first-round player. But I just, I don't know. This is, for me personally, it's like a holistic or it's like an approach thing where I would prefer, in like a Lucas Cormier, who we talked about really early on, who we've, we've all kind of soured on a little bit, um, Someone who has that offensive upside, who has that sort of innate creativity that is probably harder to teach than yeah. um, playing than learning defense, maybe. But I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe maybe it's hard to learn positioning on defense, and so maybe that's really special. And so, um, you know, I want I prefer someone who does lead the rush or who at least can lead the rush. I prefer someone who is able to. It sounds like he can get get himself out of trouble through skating in his own end, um, and you see that once or twice in his clips. Um, you know, you know, it's like Eric Carlson. And again, I'm not asking for every defenseman drafted to be Eric Carlson, but it was him being real smart uh, with his skating and just real, really agile and able to get away from guys and able to kind of draw other players in and, and make plays like that. And, and from reading about him, it doesn't sound like he does that. And so it's hard for me because some Braun, quote unquote, made smart decisions, but that was often like safe and smart decisions which is like off the glass and high which like fine but you just give the puck right back and i'd rather have someone yeah. who may be a little riskier but when they do land their plays the puck turns into you know a smooth transition of ice or a, a, at least a, a completed pass to a forward or something along those lines a little more often yeah no i get that i mean and you know i think that's where you're you kind of i think you also maybe have to look at your system too where if you have a lot of like those puck moving defensemen, but you don't really have like, cause I mean, as much as we love, uh, you know, like we love our Eric Carlson and, um, and stuff, but it's, you also kind of need those shimmicks every once in a while too, who can actually, you know, like be your defensive pair. Like you you kind of need that balance. I think like if everybody's just a puck movie defenseman and then there's no one who actually plays real defense, I think that's where you kind of get into trouble too as well. But as we, you know, that, that cost benefit of, it's easier to find a defensive defenseman than it is to find those special uh, puck moving, puck moving defensemen who can um, kind of change change the game there. So um, I think that we do need to kind of touch on his medical stuff. So he missed a good chunk of the season, three months with a blood clot issue. Um, they don't say the what caused the clot. Um, I luckily. I have access to my spouse who is a uh, registered nurse and I kind of asked her about kind of the, the blood clots and like what that can, um, you know, like what, what can cause them, like the long-term effect and stuff like that. And it's, it's hard to tell with, since we don't know what caused it. Um, some of the issues could have been, it could have been an illness. Um, it could have been like a trauma. So maybe if he got like, hit with a puck in the leg or like in the calf or something like that. And that caused a uh, blood clot there. Um, you know, there's a, a wide variety of issues that may have caused them. We're not doctors. We, you know, we don't know what that caused, but 
um, I think this that issue alone can be such a, a reason for why he had such a poor year. Um, so if he has like a blood clot in his leg or a blood, like wherever he has a blood clot, he literally cannot do anything. There's no working out. There's no just because the if the clot happens to move and goes to your heart, you're having a heart attack. Or if it goes to your brain, you're having a stroke. So I think that's why, um, you know, so if you lose three months of doing nothing as an athlete and then you're trying to get back into it and stuff, you're, I mean, we saw it with Eric Carlson with his groin where he has surgery and then like you're, you're kind of behind the eight ball trying to get back into the playing shape. So um, I think that that could be, a, and plus, as you said earlier, um, his team was not very good. So trying to be the best player on your team coming back from a major um, injury, that could be a reason why his uh, um, that could be a reason why his uh, his season was so poor this year. And I'm willing to kind of throw this season out um, like the stats and stuff like that and kind of look at some of his previous performances. Yeah, I'm there with you. And I tried to, Try to sort of um, into consideration too when we were reviewing this year's stats and sort of point out that he did have quite a few shots per game, uh, even though he didn't have quite as many points as we would have expected. Maybe given how many shots he took, um, that he was also battling in condition that he may not have known about for a while. Something um, along those lines, and so impacts is is you know performance of course it's going to impact how people view him and and their watchings of him potentially if it's really changing the way he's able to move around and whatnot um that said it's the style and type of player and the strengths that he that he has with or without this blood clot just aren't the types of things that i'm willing to spend a first or second round pick on yeah, I mean, I, I understand he's they, he's definitely not your your cup of tea. Um, I think if the he was sitting there with the Sharks' second pick, whatever that is, the sixties or whatever, um, like sixty I, right now. Yeah, so I think if he's sitting there, uh, I think he would be worth it there, just because I think you're getting a, a kind of a sure thing. Uh, I, you know, again, there's a lot of issues and stuff like that with the medical issues and. Um, but he, he's one of those players who, like, I, like I said, I think he's going to be in the, he'll make it to the NHL and I think he's going to be the NHL in a long time just because he kind of does the, all the little things quote unquote, uh, right. And I think trying to find an NHL player, especially in the second round is, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot as it is. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's not like, if the Sharks picked him with their first pick, I would be like, uh, you know, like that but i think if they can if they get him with their their second second round pick or if they trade back and get him in the third round um then i think i think that might be a bargain right there uh yeah yeah that sounds that's about right i think i think that's okay um yeah. like you said it's tough and if if someone who at one point was thought to have first round talent or ability falls to the back half for the second round like it's awesome. Yeah. Use that there. All I think day. the value just the value is too good at that point, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think that the draft is kind of um, is trying to find those those values and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I think we're we're both kind of on the same page. Where you know, like we, we think there's some there might be a little bit of potential there. Um, I think he's one of those like really high floor guys, but he's not going to wow you. Um, 
Um, and like I said, he's not going to fill up the stat sheet every year and, and stuff like that. But I think um, I think he could be a very solid player. It just comes down to that cost benefit of do you want a defensive defenseman for a first, second, or you know, late second round pick when those guys are easier to find compared to maybe trying to swing for something else. So. That sounds about right. We should, we should, I should look and figure that out if it is like easier to find quote unquote defense. I mean, I feel, I feel like I agree our, with you, but because generally guys who, yeah, that's true. Well, guys who, uh, who, uh, you know, score more starting to get drafted sooner, I think, picking up to that. So and that may also be the case where it's just, Ooh, that might be a good. Of, uh, idea. Is the, yeah, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to look, but it's also hard to quantify because it depends on like yeah. how, some guys who are like actually good defensively versus fancy stats versus guys who are just deployed defensively. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. We yeah. were, yeah, we're, along, we're, so. we're way over with, um, with uh, Eric's Fun Boy Friday with Justin Barron. Um, thank you for joining us for yet another prospect. I think next week we'll be back maybe with some more goalies, definitely with another prospect. Uh, who knows, man? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe uh, a forward or oyster. Yeah, maybe if I, you know, I don't know, man. We'll uh, look into it. We'll get you some good content. We will make sure it is hot off the presses, uh, original as always. And uh, in the meantime, this up on Twitter at Locked On Sharks. Um, email us at lockedonsharks at gmail dot com with all of your complaints and poor reviews. And uh, Want to ask JD um, how much easier it is to be a dog dad than it is to be a dad dad? He is at my fry hole. And if you want to uh, ask Eric about the proper ways to throw a ball to your dog and then have your significant other give you the death stare while eating cereal, you can find him at foulball15. Join and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Yeah. Later. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.